We know it sounds cliche and we've said it many times before, but there are so many blessings in our hardships because without those tough moments, we would never truly become who we are meant to be. You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 22 of season two. In today's episode, we speak to Hanan Abdul Khalik about finding your own happiness post-divorce, honoring the hardships you face in silence, and learning to invest in our own selves. Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success. We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage. Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. You guys, we have an incredible episode for you all. But before we dive in, I just want to talk about something a little personal. You know, lately, actually, this is something that I've been overlooking, which is my health. You know, I used to be one of those people that used to meal prep, go to the gym every single day. And then, you know, life happened and I stopped doing all those things. And I've stopped doing them for years now. I'm not trying to act like I just did this a month ago and I stopped. But I noticed some certain things with my body. I'm like, you know, not that noticeable unless you obviously do your what are they called? The self- self-breast exams. Yeah, the self-breast exams. And so I decided to do one and just something just didn't feel right to me. It felt off. So I scheduled a doctor's appointment and alhamdulillah, the results were good, but they're also not so good, if that makes sense. Basically, I don't have breast cancer, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. But my doctor did tell me that I have an increased chance of having breast cancer due to having dense breast tissue. And I think that's what was alarming for me. And she was, you know, first of all, she kind of told me, like, you should have told me about this a while ago because I've been knowing about it for months. But, you know, I think it's it's hard to kind of put yourself first. This is something that you said, Zena. Yeah, I think that we're always putting everyone else in front of ourselves. Yeah. Like, we always want to schedule appointments for our parents. We always want to help our siblings out. We always want to help our spouses and our friends and, and make sure everyone's taken care of. But how can we take care of other people if we're not taking care of ourselves? Like, exactly. we cannot be help of anyone if we're you know putting ourselves last and putting ourselves on the back burner i think and i think for us because we're at such a young age that we don't think of getting a mammogram and ultrasound done but again breast cancer i mean we've had uh, a guest before basima and she shared her story which was a really hard story to cover she was she was incredible how she opened up to us and encouraged other women to check themselves out and i think that's when i started to realize like okay yeah i need to start doing this more often than not and yeah, but alhamdulillah, like I said, the results weren't bad. But now my doctor did tell me that every six months I have to go get a mammogram. There's not something that you expect for yourself at no, such a young not, age. No, absolutely not. But at least now you're aware of it. And it's aware of, of something that you have to do in, in order to prevent uh, finishad, something from happening in the future. And I think if that's what it takes, getting a mammogram every six months, I feel like, you know, it's it could be a lot worse. It could. It really could, you guys. So 
please, I highly encourage you to check yourself out. It doesn't always have to just be a breast exam. It could be anything part of anything. your health. Because didn't you schedule a bunch of doctor's yeah, appointments? Yeah, so like I scheduled my regular doctor's appointment, uh, OBGYN, and ENT. Like I just got everything checked out because I've been putting that off for a while. Like I haven't done a regular annual exam in a while. And I was like, you know what, I need to like I just said you have to put yourself first in these situations because you want to be there for your family you want to be there to see you know yourself kind of move up and 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 the people that you love move up and you can't do that if you're not physically well and schedule a pap smear you guys yes. I know we're getting really personal here but I know it's uncomfortable <laughs> but you got to do it you have to do it it takes you two seconds to get this done just I know it's hard to schedule appointments sometimes but just get it done you guys these days everything's on your phone like you could easily schedule your doctor's appointments on mm-hmm. your phone absolutely without yeah. even having to, having to call the doctors I mean my doctor's office we have an app and everything which is so cool what is it the my chart but, app yeah but yeah. I just I, that was like the worst thing for me once I got married was like scheduling my own doctor's appointments I was like mom how do I do this oh my god Dana, you're so spoiled. i've been scheduled my own doctor's appointment since i was like what 16 no no 17? i was 24 <laughs> well then at least it's better late than never exactly I, I think it's better late than never and i want to you know transition into today's episode because talking about just life being unexpected you know certain things in life happening unexpectedly Today's guest, which is Hanan Abdelkhalik, and I actually shared something where we both got a divorce at the age of 23, 24, I think. I don't want to speak on her behalf, but I think that's what she said in the 20s. And for me, that's like early 20s. That's you know very what I mean? young. It's not something that you signed up for or expected, but honestly, it's what Allah planned for us. And that's the thing. That's just the way life happen sometimes it's completely something that you never expected to happen to you but it ends up happening yeah and Hanan is such an empowering person just listening to her speak I mean she has so many titles under her belt she's a journalist a creative a writer and the founder of Young Nevertiti and we talk about divorce we talk about personal struggles and how we deal with those struggles sometimes in silence and how we can use those struggles to build ourselves up and really find out who we are truly meant to be I know because we both shared that like you know, we shared our divorce story to our family and friends to a certain extent. Like, there's still parts of my story where nobody in the world knows what exactly happened, you know, other than just myself and that person. And I think it's just... That's why I think this podcast was created to help other women and to make them realize you're not the only one going through these issues. And I've been having like, you know, conversations with my family and friends about divorce and marriage. And I think a lot of people are struggling with this concept. And I think it's because either one, we, you know, we're not prepared well for it. Or two, we just have such high expectations and we never have these realistic and direct conversations with you know, our future spouse. So I, I really hope that this episode helps you guys out. We really focus on just empowering ourselves as women and honoring the hardships that we face. And I think that's super important. So I really, really hope you guys enjoy this episode and please stick around for our afterthoughts where we talk about other topics too that, you know, stem from this conversation. So are you ready to dive in, Zena? Let's do it. I really want to thank Hanan, who is all the way in London right now. It's 8 p.m. by you, and I can't wait to just discuss all these topics at hand with you because I feel like relationships, hardships, just even our relationship with Allah and our risk and everything in between, I feel like this is something that everybody can relate to. We all have something to say. We all have our own input and our own struggles, but I want you to first to just introduce yourself to our listeners, and then we can get right to it. Hi everyone. Salam. My name is Hanan. I am a business owner and entrepreneur based in London. Um, I'm half Irish, half Egyptian. And yeah, I have a passion for discussing. Um, I, I, 
at times you, you could refer to me as a journalist, but I haven't really kind of focused on my journalism so much lately, but I like to discuss um, ethical fashion and women's issues, identity issues, politics, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's me. And I think we before we started, we were talking about relationships and especially right now in quarantine, I feel like relationships are either flourishing or they're kind of on the rocks. I mean, I'm so grateful that like my husband and I are both out working because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the state of our marriage if we were both sitting at home like in each other's faces. I just don't know how it would be. I find even that point quite profound because. Somebody said that, I think, during this lockdown, they were sort of saying, you know, no one has ever in the, like the, in the history of their relationships ever had to face this concept of kind of being, I don't want to say prison, but like being stuck with their spouses or being stuck with their, you know, whoever they're in a relationship with their partners, because it's almost like their whole relationship has been set up based on their daily routine, which is like, you know, you go out to work, you come back, you see each other. And that's like how, that's how you've learned to love one another. So it's almost relearning how to love people in your vicinity, which is kind of scary. Yeah, oh my God. It's a bit terrifying. It is because it's, and it's so true because I think the one thing that I had an issue with or what I struggled with during quarantine is I never realized how attached I was to my daily routines. And this is coming from somebody that's unmarried and everything like that. But it was really hard for me to have to detach myself from my daily routines, forcefully detach because there's just no way that you can do what you were doing pre-quarantine. But now imagine you living with your spouse and now you both have to tackle this on together. And there's a lot of grief and that you are dealing with within this pandemic to be honest I think it's really sad as well because I I feel like anyone who has battled mental health issues before can be super hyper aware of how different circumstances can affect you right so you are so when somebody who who has suffered with mental health like could be like depression or anxiety they're fully aware that they can differentiate between themselves and the illness but I think your general public who haven't really like been forced to think about themselves and be self-aware they are perhaps not they're not necessarily seeing their emotions being separate to themselves that you know maybe it's okay to give yourself the benefit of the doubt because these are unprecedented circumstances you know we've never ever had to experience something like this and I think you know I think we can often judge each other based on what we're feeling right now which is super unfair because you know, I know myself, I don't feel like myself, you know, I know a lot of other people won't feel like themselves. So how can you expect them to be, to react in the way that you expect them to react when we've never experienced something of this magnitude before? Honestly, like I, I really did struggle this quarantine and I didn't think I would, but it's just like you're adding the factor of having to be at home with everybody else all at the same time, not having your own private time, dealing with work. And people think that just because you're working from home that it makes things easier. Honestly, it, working from home has made things 10 times harder at the workplace. And it's the first time that I really experienced sadness. And it's weird because, you know, social media kind of almost guilts you into making you feel like, why are you experiencing sadness? You have your family, you have your home, you have this, but you can't control your emotions and how you feel sometimes. You really cannot. And honestly, if you feel sad and you feel down, that's just how you're feeling. And I once posted that and somebody almost kind of guilted me into feeling like, well, you shouldn't. You sh- you're you're being negative, be more positive. And I'm like, if I could, I would, but I couldn't yeah. at this moment. It's you know? not that easy. Yeah. You can't tell someone who's feeling those feelings, just be happy. It's like, it's on a switch you know what I mean like oh yeah I forgot I'm supposed to be happy but what's making me feel more comfortable is the fact that nobody is an expert at this like we're all going through this we're all experiencing it at the same time and and although our experiences may be different nobody has like 
no one has a PhD in quarantine. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, that right? is so true. Nobody. I love that. And you know, Hanan, you and I bonded over like offline about our circumstances, like what has brought us to become the woman we are today, the proud woman of who we are today and the skin that we're in. And we, we have just flourished and everything like that. But we oftentimes don't credit our hardships because sometimes we kind of want to not overlook our hardships, but it's a part of us that causes pain and we don't know what to do with it sometimes. Sometimes we want to talk about it. Sometimes we don't want to talk about it and it can confuse our loved ones. And something that you and I can relate on is divorce and the topic of divorce. And I feel like to this day, our DMs are flooded with women dealing with divorce and relationship issues and they don't know how to go about it. And the last thing I ever want to do is just keep them on unread and not help them out. So I hope this episode and this conversation does help them out because Hanan, just even the short phone call you and I had, you truly opened up my eyes to just what I was feeling and how to validate those feelings. If you want to talk about your personal experience, just with the topic of divorce. Yeah, I think, you know what, like, I think something that I had always wished for when, you know, I had gotten my divorce, which I was at the age of 24. So I was a baby, really. Same. And to go through something of that magnitude, like, I don't think anyone can ever, like, prepare you for it, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how hard or easy supposedly it's supposed to be no one can prepare you You, essentially you're going into it blind and one thing that I found like before being married and kind of going into it I just thought you know the only person or not person but the only thing that I can really rely on is Allah yeah you can get your dad or your brother or somebody to shout at whoever for you (laughs) but like there's no one to do you go there's no one to support you and and I think that was my biggest lesson that you are sometimes in life you will truly be alone. And I don't mean to say that to isolate people. I don't mean you're alone in the sense that you can't reach out and talk to people and, you know, share experiences and things like that. But like, there are some things like you just have to go through. And I always say this, the way I view it now, looking back, one, it changed me for the better. Like I can fully say that there are some parts of me that I I needed working on. I needed to kind of dig deep about. Um, so that's one amazing thing that came out of it. But also like it, helped me to become self-sufficient what what I'm learning even now like even now when I go through pain and and my life feels like it's been chaotic or it's upside down I think subhanallah like you're never gonna not be in pain right I feel like we are always afraid of being in pain we are running all of us are in a perpetual state of running from it especially like in this capitalist self-care kind of society where we need to be happy and feeling good at all times you know but like, it's it's kind of like, okay, but but what can this pain, what is this pain bringing me? And don't get me wrong, I hate pain. Like it actually, I hate having to feel it, having to experiencing it, having to go through it again and again. But I I feel like I have, I have become a better person every single time I've gone through pain. And it is like, you know, when they say that, you know, when, you, when you're making gold, it needs pressure on it to, to make that gold. You have to remind yourself as to why you're on this planet. We're not on this planet just to have yeah it's great to have a spouse and kids and like this happy clappy life but why are we really here and if you go back to you know it's all about Allah you'll understand your pain and your um, experiences a lot more and especially with divorce like I feel like people they really shun Muslim women in the, in the community who, who are one forced to go through a divorce it's not like people want to like it's it's you have to sometimes it's you know? not on my bucket list it was never <laughs> on my bucket list seriously exactly. it's not something I ever planned for in my life right and and I think what's what's interesting is that like actually when people challenge it when they say oh like this person's been divorced they're moving like you know it's it's the person's responsibility like like 
you brought it on yourself, but truly, like you're, they're actually questioning Allah's will because whether I liked it or not, I had to go through it. it I couldn't avoid it. There was no way that I was going to avoid that. I was going to go through it. And, you know, looking back on it, I, I thought, like, it, it gave me a sense of peace and acceptance. Like, khalas, like, this is Allah's decree. I, who am I to, to challenge Allah's decree? And I think that's a that's a great comeback to say to those aunties who judge you <laughs> for, like, you know, staying in or, or get, getting a divorce or that kind of thing, you know? That's what I would say to anyone who, if they, they felt like they could challenge me or you know make a comment or as if you're you're a weaker woman or you're you're not enough or you're or less than i would come back with it's not it's not my fault you know this is allah's decree can i change allah's decree no and i'm i'm grateful for it you know i mean don't get me wrong it's taken me a good few years to get there to, to kind of sit with it and learn and and become stronger and grow and become better but I'm grateful for it, ultimately. You and I, Hanan, had the same timeline. And we agreed on the phone, like, it's been, what, five or so years? Yeah. And we still feel like it happened just yesterday. That's, subhanAllah, that's the trauma still living within us of what we've gone through. And I'm glad that you said it took you time because for me, it wasn't overnight. It wasn't like as soon as I signed the divorce papers and I'm like, yay, I'm free and I understand God's will and I'm good and this is what it was meant <laughs> to be. It was just recently that you start to learn that whenever I want to reflect upon my life and where I've grown the most, it's through my hardships. It's through those hardships that when is it that I spoke to God the most? It was through those hardships. When was it that I truly seeked my inner self and focused on my inner self and wanted to work on myself is through hardships it wasn't through the good times that i've gone through so i'm glad that you said that and it's interesting that it's almost that we do have to almost reteach our elders the religion and our faith because i think when i got out of my divorce it was this embarrassing thing this embarrassing feeling that i felt for the longest that here's all my cousins my sister my friends they're all thriving in their marriages why couldn't i thrive and i kept asking myself and i I internalized it a lot and I internalized it and I'm like, what made me bring this into my life? How did this hello turn into a divorce? Where did I go wrong? I kept saying I, 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 instead of understanding that the person I was before my marriage wasn't the person that I would have been happy with today. And I needed that reality check. And subhanAllah, Allah is the only person that knows at what degree you need a reality check, how hard your hardship should be, how what you have to go through. He's the only one. And here I am looking at it back again and I'm realizing like during that time I was just saying why is Allah so unhappy with me I kept saying why instead of thinking Allah did you feel that way too absolutely and and just to your point like it is a double-edged sword because on the one hand you are like you're super like women are taught from a young age in our society not even in our communities but in our society to blame to take burdens on ourselves that we don't need to so we blame ourselves a lot but so that's one thing and it's, it's kind of like that's very unnecessary and it's, it's such a shame that we have to carry that into our relationships but also on the other side like I think there is so, there is great power in owning your weaknesses and thinking you know what I could have done this better I could have done this better I could have done this better and you know what I'm becoming a better person from this and I will never let this happen you know mm -hmm. and this is not this is not even to talk about like the divorce in itself because I don't think it's a blame game or anything like that and and of, and obviously every case is, is is different you know you have abusive relationships you have non-abusive relationships you know you just have incompatibility there's so many like versions of, of what it could be but I think there is so, so much power in owning your own circumstances and not playing the victim to them but owning them and moving forward. But also what I found quite interesting in what you were saying is that you saw your cousins and family members thriving. And the reason why it's so hard, I think for Muslim women specifically, is because there is so much attached to 
finding a husband. Like from a young age, it's not just about finding a good spouse, although it's the half your dean and, you know, like children and happy clapping, all that stuff, which is great. I think human beings need companionship. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a lot attached to it in terms of culturally, right? So you have like, you know, you can't you can't go traveling unless it's with your husband, right? Or you can't do this unless it's with your husband. And so it's almost like we attach too much pressure to that one act. And so we fall in love with the idea of being married rather than falling in love with the person and really giving ourselves the right to say, is this person for me? I think often, I think we do this as women in general, but I think as Muslim women specifically, we treat us, we are infantilized by our communities and by our families. And what that does is, I get the whole having a mahram, I get the importance of it, but what that does is it makes us start to feel like we are the interviewee and not the interviewer. So we start acting like, can you pick me? Can I get picked? Instead of thinking, actually, is this man for me? Like, is this man going to bring me goodness? Is, is he right for me? Is this, is that? And so I feel like we are doing a disservice to our own daughters, to our own women, in our own families. And, and I think a divorce, to be honest, a divorce doesn't happen during or after the marriage. It happens way before. Because we, us as families and community members, we have, we've set the prerequisites for marriages to fail because of how we, br we bring up the girls, you know? We don't bring up the girls with self-esteem and confidence. In fact, I think a lot of the boys are, are brought up with self-esteem and confidence, and that's where a lot is going wrong. You're right, and I'm, I would be the first to say that, like, I do, I agree with you. Marriage is something that when it's done right and when it's done with the right person, it is a beautiful thing. But I agree that we do put so much pressure on marriage and finding that right person because if you're not married by 23 24 your people start like uh oh but she's like 25 26 oh she's 20 they start like using your age as an expiration date it's like okay if you're not married by this age and it doesn't even end after marriage it's not like okay she's waiting for the right person or she's focusing on herself right now it's what's wrong with her and i think we need to shift that focus to i understand why she wants to wait i understand why she wants to focus on herself right now and build herself up I feel like we do, what you guys are both saying is so incredible because I feel like we really do overall look a lot of things and I'm speaking from experience. If I was a woman that was getting married at the, that age of 23, if I had that same mindset at 23, there was no way I would have said yes. There's absolutely no way, no way would I have said yes to that person because I just know myself. I know I deserve better. I know what I wanted at that point. At the age of 23, all I had was everybody around me telling me like marriage is what you need right now. This is what's going to happen when you get married. You get to move on with your life and this is a new chapter of your life but nobody has ever built me up they just built the idea of marriage up i have a question for yeah. you so you're saying that like if you were to meet that guy right now you would say no do you think that it's age that's making you wiser or the experience that you went through getting a divorce to someone like that made you realize it's i'm everything. worth more it's such a good question Zane. it's everything i feel like it was societal pressure it was family pressure it was cultural pressure it was the fact that i was very young like i didn't experience life and i was still in Maybe. college I you know what I mean yeah it was first year of college like I didn't experience and it, that's the thing we don't allow Muslim women to experience life we don't we just let them experience life through the lens of being married again there's absolutely nothing wrong with being married 
But you have to allow the woman to grow on her own and to be comfortable in her own skin so that when she does go through things, she doesn't take a year to get a divorce when the divorce, like you said, sometimes would have happened way earlier. I think a lot of women, and when it comes to the topic of even just abuse, a lot of women go through abuse for the longest and they don't know how to get out of the situation because nobody taught them that nobody should ever lay a hand on you even in the first place. This might be yeah. triggering for some people and it might be hard to listen to, but I just, I, I don't want to normalize abuse in any marriage that is not normal and you should never ever think that it would ever change if somebody does it the first time who's to say they won't do it again i think there's just so much intertwined with the idea of why or the reason why people get divorces i think there's just a lot and i think one of the reasons and i don't want to overgeneralize because obviously you know muslim women are not a monolith like we're a massive group of people who are very very unique and different everyone has their own you know ideas and concepts but one thing that i will say is something that i've i've personally experienced and i know a lot of muslim women that in my circle let's say have experienced is that you know because we were never taught to date dating is like taboo really mm -hmm. and so like getting to know someone with the context of you know your mahrams and that kind of thing is you know it's all good and well but you know, you don't, it's almost like you're learning through theory. You're not learning through experiences about what you want, what you like, what you dislike. How can you know what you need in a partner if you don't know one about yourself, what you like, what you dislike? Because I go back to this infant infantilizing thing. We're kind of told what we need. As you said, you know, you were kind of told what you needed to have, but truly only you ever know what you love, dislike, what you need. And, and only you could figure that out once you've probably experienced life, as you're saying. It's this catch-22, like, I get why, like, you want to avoid, you know, just kind of dating loads and loads of guys because, you know, you don't want to go through heartbreak upon heartbreak and, you know, not really gain anything from it. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with heartbreak, to be fair. Like, I think that's the only time where I've ever learned anything through heartbreak. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think women, you can't, like, protect us from feeling. You can't protect us from life we're gonna live it and we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna and that's how we learn right that's what, what we've been saying this whole conversation is, is learning through pain so I think that is a huge problem that, that we're facing it's that catch-22 like you know do you date or do you not date or how do you go about dating and you know just so you can learn more about yourself what you need what you don't need and also being more aware about the right men to kind of engage with so we have to be careful with the guys that we choose because, you know, as I've gotten older, I've started to learn that there are different types of men. And I've started to pick up red flags really easily because of my experiences. It's 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 a gift and a curse because mm -hmm. on the one hand, you know, I'm, you know, I, I kind of like, I will put things to bed really quickly if I feel like I've, I've noticed a red flag, right? And it happens very quickly nowadays, which is amazing because then it just, it protects me. It's, it's, it's like a protective mechanism. It's a shame that I've had to like learn it through, you know, difficult circumstances. But I would say if you don't want your daughters to learn or yeah, if you don't want your daughters to have to learn the hard way, at least be open to showing and, and interacting and speaking about different concepts. But the unfortunate thing is that 
I don't think a, a, a woman sees an abusive man coming. How can anyone, right? And it's normally the ones that are most charming, most lovely, most um, most lauded in the community. And so, you know, a lot of women are just kind of stunned and dumbfounded and, and kind of just in shock about the whole thing. And so I think one thing that is really important is to learn more about different types of men, narcissism, red flags, emotional abuse, manipulation, toxic tendencies, all these things, because it can really help empower you, not just in your relationships, but in life, in the workspace, in public spaces, you know? I love that you said that, especially narcissism, because I think that's a topic that we don't cover too often. For a while, Hanan, it took me a long time to forgive my younger self, to forgive the person that was going through that marriage and that divorce, because for a while I was like, how did you not know any better? How could you be so naive? How did you stay for that long? How did you go through the things that you went through? It's a lot to be able to just keep beating upon your younger self to keep talking bad about your younger self it's not it's not something that's good because there's a reason why you had to go through that and become the woman that you are today who is much wiser who is now able to see all these red flags and quickly end things right away that is a gift to be able to do that because a lot of people still find themselves in one relationship after the other and they've seen the red flags and they still decide to overlook those red flags so i think it's a gift but did you ever learn how to forgive that person that the version of you that was in that relationship at that point or did it take you a while as well it definitely took me a while I think there are elements in me that you know I I can still look back and and say oh oh, okay I understand that more now or I understand why that transpired now and and I think that's you know that is part of life and it's so crazy because I don't think I could have seen that unless I've hit my age that I am today like literally I'm still learning things about what's happened to me in the past that you know, as as I get older, and I'm, it's it's kind of like you know, my father passed away oh, at the same. Oh. It was right before I got married, so obviously my headspace was not in the the best place, and and I felt like I, that was almost taken advantage of. But you know, I still think about like how I even I I, I even learn more about my father every day as I'm getting older and becoming more and more of a, of, a, of a woman, and and in in my own kind of space and and coming into my own I, I'm learning so much more so even now I can look back and say oh that's why but that's why I have compassion for that for that woman for that young woman because she didn't know she didn't know any better and you know I always I have that compassion that same compassion for for all women who you know are going <laughs> head first or head bl- like blind into a new marriage and I'm just like you know may Allah protect her and make her you know, make it thrive and make it good for her, you know, because for some people, as I said, it is just purely going to be their test. And that is how they're going to learn. And that is how they're going to grow into the beautiful human being that they will become. So yeah, I I do have compassion for her. Yeah, absolutely. What red flags are you now looking out for? Because there's girls right now who are getting into relationships or starting to talk to people, and they don't know what gaslighting is. They don't know how to recognize narcissism. So what advice or what red flags would you tell them to like look out for? I think, I think, okay, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. uh, Yeah, there's loads. I think one thing that we are not taught to be in tune with is our bodies and how we react physically to someone. Like sometimes I'm in a situation where there's a narcissistic man in the same room as me or in the same space as me. And it might not even be in a romantic capacity, by the way, it might just be in a work capacity or anything like that. And my body is has reacted to him before my brain has had time to keep catch up. So I will feel it goes into fight or flight. It might get anxiety. And these, it's so fascinating how the, the muscles, the muscle memory and, and how the body reacts 
to other dangers in the past and how it will tell you this is a danger. It's so fascinating. Yeah, and we talk about the spiritual heart. The spiritual heart feels it too. Like there's, there's, there's many elements that Allah puts in us. So that's number one. I know it sounds like very kind of abstract. When you learn to be in, in tune with your body and in tune with your spirit, you will know deep down in your gut when something's off about this person. You're not sure why, you're not sure what it is, but it would have told you months before you learn what the reason is. Right. So that's number one, that trusting yourself more, but also, you know, a lot of let's talk about narcissism. Right. And if you talk about NPD, which is narcissistic personality disorder, this is like a full blown disorder, essentially. I, I feel like not enough Muslim women know about it, unfortunately, because unfortunately, if you look into what is the perfect like concoction to create a narcissistic man, it is through what a lot of like the setup at home is in a lot of Muslim communities uh, and a lot of Muslim families. So for example, it will be the oldest son. He will be lauded by his mother. He'll be protected by his mother. And it often happens when there's like an abusive either father and like an overcompensating mother or the opposite. If there's an abusive mother and an overcompensating father, you know, they are, there's a, pressure from their community to like to perform in public spaces and to be seen as something whatever it is you know they have these notions of grandeur in their mind that they are something fantastical um so that this could be in our communities that it, it can it can transpire with imams it can transpire with people who have a platform social media platform so these are other things as well as you know there's the love bombing so there's like intense kind of maybe messaging or like intense care, intense, a show of affection to an extent where you're a bit like, well, hold on a minute. You don't really know me. Why are you? Yeah. Why, why is there such an intense kind of care for me? You don't know me. Um, That's a big red flag. And I think we, as women, we love that. We love to be adored. We love to be appreciated. But if you're feeling like, but this is a bit weird. It probably is. <laughs> oh my God, Hanan, you're like no. preaching to the choir right here. I swear, <laughs> everything she's saying is so on point. Yeah, and 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 what happens with the love bombing, in case people don't know what this is, is that it's a cycle. So they will give you all this love so that they can hook you in. And then they will chuck you out. And then you'll be, you'll be left like craving their attention, craving their validation. And so you run after them um, and that's when the power dynamic kicks in and they're like, wow, I can do whatever I want with you. And then that's what happens. And, you know, in some cases, narcissists can be quite fit. It, 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 it goes in stages. And, and if you empower them enough, they will get into every area of your life. And then it could get even physical. That's kind of like the end stages. They do start to kind of um, usurp their power in how you live day to day, what you what you wear, how you appear to the public, you know, um, your social media, how that uh, transpires. Um, and obviously, like, don't get me wrong, like when you're in a relationship, it is very much give and take. Like if there's something that someone's uncomfortable with, you can definitely compromise, you know, that's very normal. But when it comes to the extent where you're feeling anxiety and like walking on eggshells and you can't be yourself and everything about you is like on trial, you feel like you're on trial and you're trying to prove your existence as being enough, Run, sis. Yes. Run. Put those running <laughs> shoes on and say bye. Yeah. Salama, for real. Yeah. Salama, for real. Yes. <laughs> I um, know a lot of women are shaking their heads yes as you're saying this. And again, this goes both ways. There might be men that are with narcissistic women too as well. Like it could go both ways. Because I want to acknowledge guys too. But I, I feel like us women sometimes again we are misguided a lot. That's why I kind of want these conversations to be more towards women because I feel like a lot of us don't have the proper guidance when we go into marriages. But everything you said, and you seen me like literally shake my nod my head i'm like oh my god i never realized this and you don't realize how common these traits are amongst these men yes. that you come across it's really crazy and i think what 
what's also scary is the fact that because we're so used to it now, because it's all around us, we might see it in our family home. We might see it. And that's another thing that we have to unpack our own traumas and unpack, you know, what, what we're used to. Are we used to chaos in relationships? Are we used to being mistreated? It, it, not just in relationships, but in your family setup. If we're used to that kind of behavior, meeting a man like that, it comes second nature. In fact, you'll want someone like that in your life. And that's why it's our duty as women to learn ourselves and understand ourselves and understand Allah because Allah doesn't want oppression for us. He doesn't want us to be seen as weaker. He doesn't want us to, because when you're a weaker human being in general, you're you're a weaker mu'min. Like you can't be a, a good Muslim. You can't be a believer in its full strong form if you are constantly being abused, you know? And Allah says like, he's like that. He's, he's so close with the oppressed person. He will answer their du'a, which means that it's very serious to, to, to oppress someone, especially with matters of the heart, where they feel, you know, matters of the heart, you are at your most vulnerable. When you love someone, you are at your most vulnerable. So make sure that the one you love is not going to use that against you, who's not going to, you know, take your heart and, and play with it. That's like the one of the, the most cruel things I think a, a human can do to another, really. Yeah, and I think one thing that we don't realize when we're getting into relationships, sometimes it's like we have a lust goggles on, so we're only seeing the good in that person. And I mean, I have a friend who was in that similar situation. She was talking to a guy who she was just in lust with and, you know, as friends, and even her, her mom was like, hey, like, I don't think this is a good idea. So I think it's really important that we listen to the people around us and not be so quick to attack. I'm like, oh, you're just jealous I have him or, oh, you're just jealous that you're not in a relationship like this. Really take in the advice of your friends and family and loved ones surrounding you who are seeing things differently. And coming from the, the perspective of the family and friends, if this person's still not listening to you and she still wants to be with this person and she doesn't, I guess, quote unquote, know any better, still keep being there for her still keep you know asking her how's everything just be there for her because I think the one thing that you know when you go through a divorce honey, or when you're in the marriage that you know is ending in a divorce it's the saddest thing when you really feel alone and I think that's the one thing that I felt I felt so alone I had my family I had my friends and I had my loved ones but you know to a certain extent you can't understand a failed marriage if you've never gone through it you don't understand yeah. and you know another thing about narcissism is they cut you off from your family and I think that's the yeah. most difficult thing is when they cut you off from your family and your family just thinks and assumes that you chose this person over them it starts to have build a little bit of animosity between you and your family and so now you don't really have anybody that much checking on you you know what I mean or knowing your well-being and actually like the way that they move is so crazy like so psychopathic that yes. they will have the people in your life questioning you when you're telling them your truth, they're like, hold on a minute though. This person seems lovely. What are you talking about? And that's why this this feeds into the whole, you know, they, they normally have a public platform where they're seen as, they're lauded as this amazing person, right? Because it's easier then to persuade others. But the truth is, and I believe this is Allah, he truly does reveal the nature. And, and you hear it. Like when somebody is a narcissist or somebody is, you know, oppressing others, that you can't get away with it. People aren't stupid. Like the truth comes out, you know? And that's something that I, I really want to focus on. But also, what's also interesting, you know, I've, I've spoken about like the really explicit red flags, right? The things that like happens, like I think in extremes, right? But I, I haven't really spoken about the subtle ones, which is what I'm hearing about loads, and this happens across the board to so many women, is that they start off in a relationship or they start to get to know someone for marriage. And the man's very clear about his intentions. It's for marriage. But down the line, 
you know, a couple months in, they disappear. Or a couple months in, they suddenly have a change of heart. And this has happened so many times. And the reason why I think it's so important to raise is because these are not men of taqwa. This is not how you deal with humans and their emotions. And I think there is a beauty of like the whole getting to know stage because I don't think there is like, um, there's no hard and fast rules. I think everyone's different. Everyone reacts different. But I, I do think that there are very important fundamental things that you know about a person straight away. And if they are not, like if you're if you feel like you're incompatible with someone, I think you can know that you can gauge that very early on. So sometimes there has been situations where women have been led on, and then they're just left, they're abandoned, and this is very un-Islamic and very um, very abusive. It's not seen as abusive, but it is abusive. It is abuse because they are gaslighted to think, you know, it's not my fault. You know, we're not married. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, and this could go on for months at best, but years for some women. And this is unacceptable. It's, it's simply unacceptable. And, and the, the scary thing is, is that there's no one on public platforms saying no to these men, saying no, have taqwa, deal with this properly. Like, Allah, you know, like, like fear Allah. You can't just mess around with people. Because it's a taboo topic to be able to sit there and publicly say, I'm getting to know somebody without being married or having the you know what I mean so I think that's the hard part but I mean we're in a different time in life than what our parents went through and everything you know now we're getting to know one another much easily because of social media there's just more access to everybody else so I feel like a lot of people kind of want to like not talk about that not talk about how they met their spouse and whatnot and everything and we're not here to sit and say go ahead and date and that's how you get to know that's not what you're implying but you're implying is getting to know somebody in that way but yeah we don't talk about that we don't have a lot of the community leaders just sitting there and saying when you're a male and you're intrigued or interested in a woman make sure you're 100 percent interested and this needs to happen within a year not taking and, and it's just yeah but also like it's it's an etiquette as well like yeah. it's just having it's having manners really it's just having man it's like it's basic human decency of how to act with one another and i do feel like women do have a lot of emotional intelligence when it comes to that and i'm not saying that men don't and i'm not saying i'm not overgeneralizing at all because i know there are wonderful, wonderful gentlemen out there but what i'm saying is like if you if you're a man and you're listening to this and you know that there are people in your space who move like this help them to be better because they they are oppressing by by acting in that way you know, you, you know, when we look at guys, we look at them, if they're how is their spirituality and whatnot, but we tend to overlook the mental state. How are they yeah. treating us mentally? Because that's where the games are being played truly. You know what I mean? It's when they can overtake you because deep down, Hanan, there were probably moments where you knew something was not right. Something didn't feel right, but you still chose to stay. Likewise, like you, we know, but it's the mental games. And when you said that they fool your friends and your family and whatever, at the same time, you're also being fooled in a way. It takes you a while to be able to come out of that and understand like oh my god I was I was just as fooled as my family as well because that's why you internalize it while you're being married to this person why you think like maybe I'm the crazy one everybody sees he's good he buys me everything that I want he takes me out to dinner all the time what is wrong with me but listen to yourself there's something wrong if you're asking yourself and that that's question. what gaslighting is is when they put their problems and they make it your fault you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, and I don't think anyone should blame themselves for falling victim to that because it's really hard to kind of differentiate is am I being gaslighted or is this person serious? You know yeah. what I mean? It's really hard to find that thin line that that separates those two. 
you know, you and I, Hanan, are still making sense of anything that we've ever gone through or anybody else in general. And I think a lot of women that have gone through a divorce, they haven't told their family and friends the full story. And that's something you agreed on. And you said something so wonderfully about it because it's truthfully, you we don't want to add the burden onto our families. They already feel guilty that they, you know, allow their daughter or son to be in a marriage that was just not good for them and really mentally kind of exhausted them and whatnot and even to the point of abuse. But you don't, sometimes our family and friends don't even know the extent of what exactly happened behind closed doors i think that's the hardest thing that somebody went through a divorce has to still carry and i think as well like what people don't realize is that obviously you're not going to sit there talking about your traumas every day to the people around you you will get on with life you do but as human beings we carry a lot in our minds and our hearts and a friend of mine actually she she talks about pressure of impact on the heart and how there are still remnants of some of the traumas and the difficult experiences that we've experienced from five, even 10 years ago, even from childhood, you know, they say that we still have traumas that we're trying to unpack, but it's so fascinating how it, it manifests in your day-to-day -day life and your interactions with people and, and how you're still dealing with that. In some way, you're still dealing. And, and I think there's a beauty in that and there's a power in that. There's nothing ashamed. There's no shame in the fact that, yeah, you might still be working through some of the issues. There's so much power in delving into those hard things, delving into those wounds and trying to heal them. I think there is no power in burying it because that's what we're taught as women. Even when we're abused, even when we're, when he's, it's all about him and, and surrounding our life around him, that we have to bury, bury your voice, keep it silent, don't tell people. And what is that doing to us, you know? And then the, in opposition to that, you know, I've, I've heard of so many fantastic ways of therapy for the, for the throat when women feel like they've been silenced over years, like, or they've silenced themselves subconsciously. There's like screaming therapy and like all these amazing things of finding your voice again you know um and, and i think what's important why it's important to raise this is that the body and the mind and the spirit they're all so closely interwoven and and that's something that i'm looking into even like i myself i do therapy i do therapy every week i love it it's like the best thing <laughs> i'm looking into um, it to be honest like it really is yeah I think people who do therapy are enlightened. Like, you know, they just truly just want to work on themselves and be better because we all have trauma. Like we have trauma from our childhood. We have trauma from like maybe school or people that we've met along the way. Like, so, you know, wanting to work on it is, is a beautiful thing. And, you know, it's very much within our religion to kind of learn to, to merge our bodies, our spirits and our minds, you know, and our, and our hearts. Women who have been silenced and feel like they can't share their story, they are carrying that around with them and it's weighing heavy on them. And you don't necessarily have to get on like a podcast and share your story with the whole world, but even just consulting in a friend, going to therapy, even writing down, I feel like what you've been through is sort of a release to help kind of like take that pressure and that weight off you. Because once you can kind of release it, I feel like then you can start actually doing the work on yourself to get better. I think committing ourselves to healing takes a long time. It really does. Because like you said, there are still things years later that can trigger you. That you think, oh, I'm done with healing. I'm good. I can start a new relationship or I can start whatever, move on with my life. Life. but really their healing is a, it's, it's a process it's an ongoing process that I feel like will never end and that's okay that's totally okay I just think we need to you know be patient with our own selves and how we choose to heal and just because you're triggered again does not mean that you've just undone all the healing that you've gone through it does not mean that I think it just means that you're still on this healing journey and that's totally okay and when it comes to our family and friends I can't thank them enough for being there for us for trying to be there but I think they always want to fix the issue but you have to really 
really truly understand the issue and I never want my family and friends to understand the issue because that means that they have gone through what we've gone through but again I commend those who really always stick it out and make sure that they are an ally to those who have been in abusive relationships or divorces or anything or any type of relationship but I want to ask you how do you honor the hardships the hardships that you know like we said that we don't talk about in public the private hardships Mm -hmm. that we struggle in silence with because again there's a lot of women that do struggle in silence there's some of us that carry so much pain it's the pain behind those tears that we don't talk about too often I think you know the beauty of that is that you know everyone's answer to that question is different right so like I personally I create when I'm in pain so I will I I I write a lot or I paint or you know I work on my brand and you know I do all these um these things that you know it's almost like making beauty out of something that's really kind of cracked or difficult you know and so everyone has their outlet but also I think like it truly does come in like in terms of honoring my pain, I I try not to judge myself for the things that I'm feeling. I, I try not to censor myself. If I have to tell someone, you know, I, I try not to judge myself for like, oh, why did you tell them? Like, oh, it's like, it's a form of a weakness or, you know, I, I try not to, I try to catch those thoughts of, of judging the self, but also like, you know, I try to, sometimes the burden of pain can be, feel so overwhelming that that it almost feels like it's something that no other human can carry and that's when I turn to Allah that's when I feel like you know what (laughs) there is no one on this planet that can actually help me right now only Allah because he fully feels what I have felt he fully was witnessing all of it all of it something that you can't really articulate to any friend you can't illustrate it to any family member he is there for all of it and so when I'm and, and when I'm in the throes of, of really feeling pain, like really feeling desperation or just sadness, I always remember. I think it was Ali Ibn Talib. I, I'm not sure. I, I hope that that's not wrong. But there was a quote that says, "It's when you're in the the, the throes, like the most desperation, like that the worst moment when when Allah's help will come. It's almost like it, it it comes right back around. Like you have there's no there's no other option. So I always think like you know what, <laughs> I'm feeling so bad right now." But I know that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and, and then Allah's going to do something like Allah's going to help fix it. And and it always does. Honest, truly, I've even seen like throughout my life when I've been in the throes of pain, Allah gives me some crazy blessings like to kind of balance that life, you know, to, to the, the balance of life. You, you have to have the bad with the good. But I think if for anyone who's feeling like they're in the throes of pain and that it just can't get any worse and they can't they feel like they can't get out. Truly, Allah's help is coming. Like, I know that his help will is so powerful that it's enough to make you forget that you ever even felt that way. And that gives me peace. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's how I feel calm because I know no matter what, that inshallah, at least like if everything else is falling apart in my life, at least my faith in Allah is intact. At least I know that everything is going to come around and everything's going to get fixed. And that's something you said that, that you have to have a balance between the dunya and the hereafter. You have to understand that in order to go through, the reason why we're going through all these hardships is to have a place in the hereafter. That's the only way that we can get closer to Allah. And I and I feel like the hardship that you went through, mashallah, Hanan has made you into an incredible woman that you are today. It's made every woman that has come on our podcast into an amazing woman. And it's like, I look at you guys and I'm just in awe. And I want to talk and honor the woman that you are today. And how how do you feel about yourself? How did you get here? What advice do you have for the women that are struggling right now? They'll look at other women like, I want to get to that point where I'm strong enough to be able to overcome the hardship that they're going through at this moment in time. Well, 
I would say that like anyone who's either going through a divorce or a, or a, an abusive relationship or just feeling like they're in the throes of weakness, like just truly feeling on, on at, at, like empty, they're feeling on empty. I would say it gets better and it gets so much better. It does. And like one that when you get away from something that is truly harmful to you, it's crazy how quickly you can actually heal from that when you're away from it. So that's number one. Number two, like, just know, I personally have experienced a lot. Like, I haven't gone into detail, but there's a lot. When I sit down with people for my age, I feel I've, I've gone through a lot of things that people my age wouldn't normally go through. And, you know, if I sat with you and told you the story, that some crazy story, like hilarious ones and crazy ones. We'll but, do you it know, offline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the of life, yes. you know? Um, but one thing that I would say about that is that, you know, I've, I have, I have been in the throes of like severe, um, pain and I have also come up on top and I have felt amazing and I, I love who I am today. And, you know, I run a successful business and, you know, I explore my voice and my platform, you know, I have a YouTube channel and I I have all these things that I'm doing and, you know, like, alhamdulillah, like, honestly, like, the more I work on myself and become stronger every day, the more opportunities come to me. Like, it's like Allah is like a reward system, you know? The more you're grateful, I'll give you more. So, um, yeah, I would say for anyone who truly is in that moment, like, trust me, my favorite quote is this, nothing in nature blooms all year round. You are never going to bloom all year round. So you have to have your moment of maybe quietness or maybe just healing or maybe reflection or maybe pain or and to sit with it. I, and I know we hate to sit with it because it's like it, it feels awful when you're in it, but there is something to be learned. And once you pick up the lesson, it's lifted. It's crazy how it happens. And it's unfortunate that sometimes life is like that. But once you've learned you go that one step higher. It's like it's like the next level of Jumanji, yes. you know? Like that's what we're trying to get to. The best level of Jumanji, which is Jannah, you know? Yes, of course. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's uh, helpful advice, but I hope, you know, they feel hopeful through that message. No, and I think it is helpful. And I think it also is helpful for women who are going through this to hear that someone who has gone through such terrible pain can make it out top. And I hope you know what you're doing just by sharing this today is helping so many women and instilling that hope inside them that it does get better. And I think when you're really in tune with yourself, when you love the woman that you become is when you start consulting with yourself, when you start trusting your own decisions, because I feel like sometimes when it, when we look back on our hardships, we realize we didn't make those decisions for ourselves. Or we might have been the ones to say yes or no to whatever decision, but we were influenced heavily. But now as a woman, you've become so comfortable in your skin that you can consult with yourself, you can sit down with yourself and you make your own decision. How powerful does that make you feel? Amazing. It feels amazing. And I I did a post, um, I did a post about how I feel even more amazing the older I get, because we're so infantilized in this society to think that, you know, once we've passed 21, which is like childhood in my mind, like I was a baby. At 24 (laughs) too. Right. It's it's almost like we've lost it beauty wise or like, you know, the conversations with the people around me, like if I'm around young people, they kind of say, oh, like, it's okay. You know, (laughs) when you pay a certain age group, it's like, no, 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 honey. 
Hold on. I genuinely feel great. Like I feel the older I get, the more confident I feel, the less I care what people think, the more I feel like I know what I want. And you know, that there's less like turmoil. If anything, I would never want to go through those years again. Like alhamdulillah. Yeah. So it's like, it's that thing of like fearing age as if it's like this terrible thing, but that's looking at us through a man's eyes, through a male lens. It's a misogynistic way of viewing each other. When in fact, I look at women who are older than me and I love that they're funny and I love that they're witty and, and, and interesting and, and smart and you know all these qualities that we're not told to focus on we're told to focus on what we look like or you know how acceptable we are by those standards you know like yes. the older I get the more I feel like wow we are powerful as women we need to celebrate that you know Let's talk about your powerful brand that you've created yourself, mashallah, Young Nefertiti. And I think it's so beautiful that you've created this on your own. And if we want to talk about what was the purpose of it, where the idea came from and everything. Yeah. Okay. So it's so interesting because I used to work at a juice bar, right? So like there was after my journalism days, I felt like I needed to take a completely different detour. So I went like full on creative. So I worked at this juice bar that's like quite popular um, in Europe. And um, you get to meet all these quirky, interesting, artistic people. So I found it, um, I found it super, I found it so much fun. Um, And then I was working two jobs. So it was intense, like I was working two jobs. And then to support my my passion project, which was my my brand, which is Young Nevertiti. And the brand is basically, it is a mix of ancient Egypt and Western pop art. And it was inspired by wanting to know more about my heritage and where I'm from. So, you know, my father, Allah Hamel, he's from Egypt. My mom is Irish. So I love to kind of compile both of those uh, cultures and identities within myself and learn more about myself and explore more. But more than that as well, you know, I've had an obsession with accessories and earrings since forever. And I also just really wanted to empower myself economically. You know, I wanted to have my own business. I didn't want to work for others. I didn't like how people treated you differently based on your hijab, based on your political beliefs, based on your whatever it is, like whether you're a woman, not a woman, or whether they paid your your salary. I, I felt like there was no dignity in that. And so I found dignity in wanting to be my own boss and working for myself. But don't get me wrong, I did like English literature and French. Like I did nothing to do with business. Like I was a completely, I was a novice at this. And then, you know, you had you had a lot of people who kind of, found, my friends and family, they found out about it and they didn't really believe in it. They kind of thought, oh, this is another Hanan thing, you know, <laughs> other like adventures or something silly. Um, and I stuck at it and I had a vision for it and I had a creative vision for it. And I, I loved it and I still love it I don't see it as work at all I love it and um and then alhamdulillah very recently it got featured in GQ magazine which I was so excited about that is so amazing (laughs) I've seen that mashallah in more than one issue right yeah so so the May June and July issues they um they featured it there and and it was just very much like a it was like a Allah gift to me you know it was like you know what you deserve this kids yeah, <laughs> I love you're that. working hard you know so alhamdulillah like it's yeah I'm, it's still in, it, in its infancy it's a, it's a year old I'm still exploring so much I'm still figuring it out um you know there are a lot of business models as well which are like more um you can make more money off of them but for me you know ethics and making sure that you know my pieces have like a story to them and there is you know i'm trying to promote sustainability which is always more expensive and you know you'll you'll get like a more of a niche audience so it's been really tough but i feel like 
I couldn't do it any other way. Like my morals are super important with this stuff. So yeah, that's kind of like how it's going at the moment. I'm just grateful where it is. Alhamdulillah. That's so That's incredible. a prime example of how empowered you feel. I think to take that step and start your own business, that's the prime example of the Hanan that you might've been before the divorce and the Hanan that you are right now. And I, I love seeing powerful women pave their own way. And believe in themselves. Yes. I think the hardest yes. thing to do in life, Hanan, is to believe in yourself it really is and that comes through experience it does and don't get me wrong like there are still times where i'm like oh god like am i doing this right like what am i doing (laughs) but there's no guideline to it yeah exactly that's the thing like especially in the creative space it's kind of like it's a free fall you're like you're just doing whatever you're doing but it's really nice to uh, through this journey i've gotten to know other muslim women who are business owners and entrepreneurs and like it's it's fun when you talk to them because it's kind of like oh what are you doing for this like you give each other tips and and you know there's like a camaraderie there which has been really fun to kind of learn about but yeah like it's all a process I guess and I'm just grateful to kind of be on this wild journey (laughs) honestly life is truly a learning process and everything within it even this this is amazing that you've turned a a passion project into something that you can yeah make a living out of one day inshallah soon and it's like it's only been around for a year and you're already in GQ that's just basically (laughs) your verification that's but that's it's well deserved too as much as we see like it's crazy when we're when our passion projects are being noticed by others you have to be able to realize like you did that because you were capable of doing that don't wait for somebody to honor you but when they do honor you and they do recognize your work take that as like oh the cherry on top because that's what it is mashallah even when i first seen you like your face is glowing you you could just tell the nude it just exudes from you and mashallah i really hope only the best for you because i think this conversation was healing for many women and I, i think that's something that i hope a lot of women can you know, find healing within this conversation. The fact of the matter is like, we're all going to go through hardships until we take our last breath in this dunya. That's just the way it is. And inshallah, one day, everybody comes to the point of realization that Allah truly, truly does love you and that you are not truly alone in all of your hardships. Yes, there are moments where you do feel alone and there's a lot of sadness and whatnot, but there's just so much learning and so much blooming and so much growing to do. And you're going to one day love the woman that you are. You're going to honor the woman that went through those hardships. And you're going to carry those battle wounds as basically just a badge of honor saying, I went through this and this is this is who yes. I am today. SubhanAllah. And you're like a walking example of that, Hanan. I swear to you. Uh, I hope so, honestly. Because it's kind of like, if I went through all of this for nothing. It's like, yeah, what was the point of that? No, there, there's a point. It really, your hardships bring you closer and closer to your blessings. Like the blessings that you never even imagined for yourself that's another thing and that's something that I want to say because I think even now when I go through hardships like I was telling you on the phone like me and my sister we do this thing where like you know I have to send her three things that I'm grateful for every single day and it's just interesting how the shift of your mind works because I'm as your muscles start to work throughout the day and you're like oh that's something I can tell her that I'm grateful for that's something I can tell her and you actually start tricking yourself into being grateful for these things you know and so the, and the more you do that I, I promise like as Allah says like if you are grateful I will give you more it's just this weird like life lesson that we just it's like a weird a symbol or like you know like a, a, a reaction or something that we have to just implement so yeah even in your your darkest moments there is definitely something there's some light around you focus on that you know look at that 
because that will get you through. I always say our hardships are threaded with silver linings. Every hardship of ours is threaded with silver linings. I love that you take accountability when it comes to showing gratitude towards Allah and the things that you're blessed with every single day by including your sister in this. Like for me, I was journaling and I was doing the dua journal. You had to actually sit down and realize like, whoa, like there's these little things that happen in my life that I overlook, tend to overlook. Even family time, even being able to just come home and relax. Like that's still, be grateful for that. And I was starting to write these things. Yes, it is a risk. There's so much, we didn't even get into risk because there's just so much to talk about risk. And I think that's something that we also overlook. So it goes hand in hand, our hardships, our risk, our blessings, everything's intertwined, subhanAllah. When it's Allah that created all these things, there's just so much magic between every single thing that you have gone through, subhanAllah. And, and, and on that note, like, you know, as I said, like I can still be dealing with things now, like things come up, difficult moments come up. But what I'm starting to learn is that you've got two choices. You can either like succumb to the anxiety and, and completely like, you can't control anxiety. It's awful. Like your body really reacts badly or you can literally come out of it and look at it from a bird's eye view, first of all, but also like just choose how you're going to react, choose what you're going to focus on. Are you going to fo- like, I, and I used to get really annoyed when people said this cause I didn't get it. But when you truly have to force yourself, just force yourself to look for the good force yourself to focus on positive things and to not think about the problem for too long it changes things it really does but yeah I don't want to like <laughs> no I love that I honestly you're somebody that I feel like I'm going to keep calling you back you also have a YouTube you said you I watched one of your YouTubes yeah, yeah. so everything everything on my page um like if you go to my instagram which is hanan i think but everything will be there so i i can put up the the youtube link and um i actually haven't put it up right now i'll put it up but yeah everything's linked to that and also my young never tt um business is linked to that too so you know just go to hanan i think on instagram and you'll find me <laughs> definitely link your, link i would your love... instagram in our bio for sure 100 percent. yeah we'd love to do that because honestly i think a lot of women would love to tune into your youtube channel and listen to you because you offer a lot of amazing advice on there I was like tuning in. I'm like, oh my God, I love her. It's like, not only are you saying amazing things, but you're saying it in such a beautiful accent. I could listen to you forever. (laughs) Likewise, by the way. Really? You guys. She was commenting up on my accent the first time we talked on the phone. I'm like, oh God, here comes the Chicago accent again. Love it. Love it. Hilarious. My friends were asking, like, oh, what podcast are you going on today? And I was like, oh my God, you have to hear their accent. Oh my God. (laughs) So embarrassing. That's so funny, honestly. (laughs) we all kind of like love each other's accents it's hilarious different parts but inshallah one day you come and visit us Hanan I would love that that. yeah inshallah you know when all of this calms down and we're able to travel again I would love that yeah definitely being around empowered Muslim women is such a healing thing likewise wallah yeah I would love that honestly thank you so much Hanan for having this conversation with us you're an incredible soul I want more women to know about you even though you're thousands of miles away from us but we have listeners from all over the world subhanallah It's, it's amazing how all of us can connect through mm. social media and technology like we would have never crossed paths if yeah. it wasn't for social media that's, that's so true crazy to me well it's mind-blowing but we want to thank you and we don't want to keep you because it's definitely a huge time zone difference <laughs> between us <and> london <laughs> love you, thank you so much for having me honestly i've really loved all of this and yeah i hope that you know sometime in the future i could definitely come and you know maybe jump on the podcast again it's <laughs> truly an honor Hanan. thank you love take care love bye. you take care bye
I love how she mentioned that nothing in nature blooms all year round. And I think that's such a great analogy to kind of put in perspective of, you know, we, we're constantly on this uphill path and we think everything is going to go away and we're always going to get that job promotion. We're always going to find the love of our life at a certain point in our life. We're always going to have, you know, the kids and the big wedding and the big house. And, and sometimes most of the time, honestly, life isn't like that. There's so many downhills and there's so many struggles that we face and looking, especially with social media, we're looking out through a window of perfection and we think everyone's life is so perfect and we don't realize that everyone is going through something. And I think when you realize that and you kind of look at it that way, it makes your own struggles and your own hardships a little bit easier. It does, but even like taking a step further of how about we stop looking at other people i know social media is easy to look at because we're on it all the time it's easy to look at everybody's life and everything but when i you know just had a recent sit down with my cousins and family and we were just all discussing our lives it's like we're literally right in front of each other in real life and that's when all the walls come down and that's when we were able to share everything no filters at all literally and figuratively no (laughs) filters at all and we were able to share our like what's going on in our life right now and what's going wrong what's going right and and everything in between but i forgot to mentioned in in the beginning in our introduction that i was reading the book untethered soul and i highly highly recommend it you guys it's called the untethered soul by michael singer and it just talks about your mind and the way it works and your heart and the way it works and one thing that i mentioned is like who are we to predict our future like we say yeah i should be married i'm going to get married and this is the person i'm going to get married to it's like you don't even know what's going to happen to you right now within this exact very moment so there's a fine line between speaking things into existence and expecting these things to have to happen because why wouldn't it happen to me i deserve these things to happen to me and for me that's such a great point i think we're always we always think that we deserve things and even if you work hard at something and you put all of your effort into something it doesn't mean it's right for you and it doesn't mean that it's written for you and if it's not written for you it's not meant for you and i think that's such a hard concept for us to grasp but it's such an important one yeah and like even part of the book this is a concept that's gonna be really hard for me to do but it's just it's like more so like training your mind to always be happy regardless of what happens to you like you should wake up being just just happy that's it and and don't think like well this is these are the things that will make me happy and these are the things that will not make me happy the book is like no throw that all out the window just be happy just choose to train your mind to always be happy in everything that happens in your life I guess and that's something that's really hard for me and I, I inshallah I'll get to that point but even to the extent where I shared with you the other day Zina like you know I've been feeling very sad and I think we talk about this kind of in this episode with Hanan like feeling very down and she mentioned the fact that she goes and sees a therapist and it's just done wonders for her so that's something that I'm starting to do I've scheduled an appointment I will let you guys know how it is I'm honestly really nervous again it's because I don't think this counselor is Muslim or from our cultural background so it'll be really interesting to explain to her like my life story and why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling and the trauma that and everything in between but I'll definitely keep you guys posted yeah, and it's also important to note that you're not married to your therapist like if you go in to see someone and you don't like their vibe get someone else look for someone else um, I think it's psychology.com and you can look for people in your area and you can also search them by uh, religion too oh yeah that's good see I went through it through my insurance and I think this oh, is yeah. what they offered me so inshallah inshallah it works out inshallah. but if it doesn't yeah I think this is still an investment if I have to 
pay out of pocket for this. I'd rather do it because every person, Zena, that we have sat down with that has come on our podcast has just Everyone's told us, doing therapy. Yes, and the benefits of therapy. So inshallah, this is something that, you know, again, it's a journey that I'm willing to take and I'll share with you guys because inshallah. we have to practice what we preach. If I'm for telling people to go yeah, see a therapist. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just absolutely. never felt the need, but I know other people didn't feel like they needed to see a therapist once their life went downhill. They already were seeing a therapist. So, but, you know, now I think it's the time for me to see one, but inshallah, I'll let you guys know. And I really hope that, you know, our podcast is, is an outlet for you guys. It's a, it's a lens for you guys to see that you're not the only one struggling, that other people are struggling, but inshallah, through our struggles, we can overcome every hardship that we face inshallah. and that we can be kinder to one another and understand one's um, struggles and, and whatnot. And inshallah, you just don't ever feel like God doesn't love you because at the end of the day, it's, it's those who he tests the most that he loves the most. Absolutely. I love the ending. It's a perfect way to end on that. Yeah. I love it. Why not? Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.